and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Hall of Lame podcast. With me is my buddy Trey, and on the ones and twos, Jackie. Introduce yourselves. What's up? What's up? What up? All right, we're going to get right into it. Right into the rewind. <laughs> Starting us out, the XFL starts with a big bang on social media and is a little different from a lot of Vince McMahon's uh, other products. And if you don't know who Vince McMahon is, he's the CEO of the WWE and one of the best 30 for 30s out there. Uh, Philip Rivers will try his try free agency in 16 years with the Chargers. Um, other news in the MLB, Mookie Betts, probably the top five position players of the past decade, was traded to the LA Dodgers. The LA Dodgers can't seem to throw enough money at the, these MLB players. Um, on social media and in the NBA news, uh, Joel Embiid had a, <laughs> a little a little chat with uh, Jimmy Butler about joining the 2021 Miami Heat after this season. Uh, it started out with Joel Embiid posting something like a, a Dark Knight quote saying, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And Jimmy responded with, I know a place where villains are welcome. And Joel Embiid said, damn right, brother. Uh, so that sparked a lot of conversation about uh, blowing up the best young, talented team in the league since OKC with KD and Russell. So, Yeah, I don't know how the Heat would make that deal work. They had to trade away a ton of their assets to get that fat contract that Joel Embiid has because he's still locked up for a few more years in Philly. So, I don't know. They may just be Batman fans. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem like Miami right now could put a package together for Joel Embiid. I mean, Joel Embiid, while he's on, is a top five player in the league. And if you're going to build your team around uh, Ben Simmons, I don't think Miami has enough three-point shooting to satisfy the Philadelphia. But, I mean, they've done dumber dumber things with that Tobias Harris contract. Going on to the next thing, the Raptors are on a 15-game winning streak and proving everybody wrong without Kawhi Leonard on their team. Uh, Dame, the last, Damian Lillard, the last 10 games, is averaging 41 points, putting hardened levels of point scoring, uh, and had a crazy game against the Jazz that ended in a very controversial call. Uh, it wasn't very controversial. It was just everybody agreeing that it was some bullshit call at the end. And Donovan Mitchell having a very, very soft, soft, soft-ass take at the end as well towards Gary Trent Jr. of all people. Yeah, Dame's been robbed like twice in the past like few weeks. First, he was robbed of Player of the Month for uh, January, which went to LeBron James. And I think it just came down to the wins, but Damien's like month of January was incredible, and he probably should have won it. And then he was robbed against the Jazz. Um, yeah, that was a clear goaltend. And I don't know why they couldn't review it or why they didn't change the call. Yeah, it seems like the rules and how it was set up prevented the refs from doing the quote-unquote right thing in the moment, which is obviously calls for some change in the rules after the season. Um I'm not exactly sure how it'll, how it'll happen. I know the coaches' challenges have not been the greatest thing of recent. So a lot of weird things can happen with that, too, where people argue whether it's a good thing for the league or not for us to stop the game towards the end of an important or exciting part of it of, of the fourth quarter just to review stuff and review stuff, cutting to commercials, just waiting and watching screens and stuff like that. There's a lot of arguments to be made, but I mean, I mean, how much do you want to weigh the NBA product over an entertaining game, uh, doing the right thing over an entertaining game? It, who knows? That'll get us to our next topic, the trade deadline. Now, I've constructed six trades that I believe were decently important and had some substance around it. Uh, there's 
three really important trades that changed the foundation of a, of some big contenders, but there's other the tra- there's the two Kings. other trades. There's two other <laughs> trades that are interesting to talk about. They're interesting to talk about for sure. I think <laughs> in the player movement era, in the player movement era, I would never ever ever see Dwayne Dedman from the ha- uh, from the Sacramento Kings demanding out because I, he thinks he's such a good player. I mean, the 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 Sacramento Kings got Jabari Parker and Alex Len for uh, Deadman and two second-round picks. So I don't think he thinks he's as good as he is. He definitely wanted out. I don't know what he thinks the being on the Hawks or requesting a trade was going to really get him. Uh, he wasn't going to a contender by any means. No one really wants to <laughs> Play with yeah, Hawks and Kings, real, real finals contenders there. <laughs> What's I didn't interesting? Say just contenders. I said three of these trades are important to contenders, and the other two are just interesting to talk about. Well, uh, Deadman was, I think he was on the Hawks last year, and then the Hawks either let him go or traded him, and now he's back on the Hawks. So it's kind of interesting there. And then on the same day, we'll get to the Wiggins trade later, but. Jabari Parker and Wiggins taken in the or part of the same draft class and Jabari Parker the I think he was the former number two overall pick he's just been traded everywhere it's kind of disappointing to see I kind of liked him as a prospect coming out of Duke he just had some solid scoring promise but he just never developed his defensive game and he had a couple ACL injuries to his knee that kind of sapped the life out of his career so far but he's just been shipped everywhere as a young scorer and like a a young player he was hampered by a bunch of injuries and the best player in the league came by and stole his team away from him and he didn't feel too good about that but uh it's not all of his fault um he's all obviously disappointed for being the second round pick but he fits in the same category that potentially uh markel fultz will fit into so well, I think he was at he was asked one time if he cares about defense. He's like, nah, dude. I only just care about <laughs> offense. And that's like pretty much how his career's got. <laughs> yep. That lack of mumble mentality, you're really getting to him. So for the second trade I have, there's a four team trade and it's not any big huge stars on any of these teams that were trading for each uh with each other. Um, but the structure of the Rockets now where they're centerless. They traded both their centers. Nene wasn't playing because he's Nene. And so he was traded to the Hawks, who eventually waived him. With Clint Capella, who I believe is a decent center, and they did they uh, they paid him an average amount. Like, you could, you could say that they overpaid him a little bit. I think he's a little overrated because of the team he was on. But all the Vance analytics said that Clint Capella wasn't very good when he was on the floor with Hardy or Westbrook. And the Rockets at this point are just going full mask off with their three-point shooting and ISO on James Harden and stuff like that. It it definitely changes the structure and the way we watch normal basketball, for sure. Yeah, the Rockets are just going extremely small. I think they're what their tallest player they're playing PJ Tucker at the center and I think he's like 65. They just gone like so incredibly small that it's it's kind of interesting to see especially in the west where you have Nikola Jokic, uh Anthony Davis and a few other centers. Like I just don't know how they're going to match up to those teams in the playoffs, but they've already played I think they played a, a game against the Lakers and beat them with their small ball lineup. So it's it's been interesting to see. I don't think it can hold up in the playoffs unless they get a bigger center that can actually match up to some of those dudes. But Yeah, when I watch them in the playoffs, I don't really watch a lot of regular season Rockets, I'll be totally honest with you. But I did watch uh, a few Rockets games in the playoffs. Um, it's not too different from how they play now. The only thing I'm worried about is whoever they do put on, whether it's AD, Jokic, or... Rudy Gobert, for that matter, um, is just going to get beat up the entire game. And having the 36-year-old P.J. Tucker on, on the center is <laughs> it's pretty crazy. And P.J. Tucker is a, 
the spinning image of like really good health. But hey, uh, they're 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 winning games, and the the analytics, the numbers will tell you they're doing just fine. And uh, so the t- going on to the other teams that made trades, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves got Malik Beasley and Juan Herman Gomez. Uh, those are the two big players in that in, in, of the four players they got. Evan Turner is going to get bought out at the end of the season. Um, I think adding more shot create shot makers on that team is going to help Car Anthony Towns not lose his mind. He already got. And we'll talk about this later, D'Angelo Russell. But it's cool to see that they're adding good talent and like putting good pieces around Cat. I don't know why they didn't do this earlier. Maybe it was just the opportune moment but it seems like the the minnesota timberwolves are in a decent to good spot now yeah malik beasley is a really good shooter like three and d player the only reason he wasn't playing in denver is just denver has an incredible depth at the guard position and with the emergence of uh porter michael porter jr uh, they didn't really need Beasley to be coming in and get minutes for them. So that's the only reason he hasn't been playing this season. But last year, especially in the playoffs against Portland, he had a few good games. Um, and he already had a great debate. I think he had like 20-plus points in his first game with the Timberwolves and hit like five threes or something like that. So I think he's a good player for the Timberwolves to get. They've obviously just had no shooting around Cat, like you stated earlier like Wiggins, uh, Jarrett Culver, their other draft pick, and whoever they el- else they had at guard just weren't great three-point shooters. And now you get someone pretty decent at shooting the three-ball, Beasley, and then D'Lo is pretty decent as well. I think he like, around 40%. So, Yeah, it's cool to see uh, that the pressure is going to get taken off Cat because I believe Cat's the, their best three-point shooter on that team. <laughs> He's playing center most of the time. So, um, going on to the, the the fourth team, the fourth and final team, the Denver Nuggets got Gerald Green, Bates Diop, Shabazz Napier, and Noah Vonley. Uh, Shouts out to the Portland <laughs> ex Portland players, but uh, I don't think most of these guys will see very minutes, except for maybe Bates Diop will see a few minutes. Uh, that team is was really primed to make a lot of really big moves this uh this trade deadline but didn't really um i'll i'll if if jokic can even up his play since last year he's been increasing since the kind of slow start he had um we could obviously see them in the playoffs but not making it too far they needed to add another superstar that could maybe run the point because uh gary harris and um Murray don't really seem like the prototypical point guards you see in the league. Um, so I, I don't know how, what their ceiling is for this season, but their floor is pretty high. Yeah, I don't really understand this move on the whole for the Nuggets. They've just given up a better player. Like I think Billy Beasley is better than any of the four players they, that they got in this trade. And uh, yeah, Gerald Green, he's just... Uh, Score off the bench, but he's never really been proven anywhere. He gets shipped all over the place. Uh, Bates Diop, I've barely heard of him, so <laughs> I don't know how, <laughs> how many minutes he's been playing. Napier, he's and, Napier and Vonley, are, they were obviously on the Blazers for a little bit. Napier can give you some good minutes here and there, but they're not great players either. I guess the best thing they picked up was the first round pick from the Houston Rockets, but it's a 2020 first round pick, which uh, from people around the league are just saying this is the worst draft class in years coming up. So I don't know how much value there is in that pick, especially since it's from the Houston Rockets and they're going to be in the playoffs anyway. So it's going to be in the twenties. So I, I just don't get this move from the Nuggets. I think they were already in a great spot and just kind of made a move to make a move like, it just didn't really improve their team at all. It really didn't. Uh, yeah, everyone expected them to move forward with their progression by adding some big player, and they just went in the opposite direction by getting rid of some of their talent. I don't know whether they thought they had to pay one of those guys or they just wanted to get less, uh, dump some money. I don't know how the money works out exactly, but 
I, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I really don't know. Well, um, let's, I kind of want to talk about uh, Robert Covington more. Like, what do you think of that for Houston? Like he's probably coming in to play maybe small ball four and maybe some five for them. Cause he's like the tallest player now on their, on their team. And he's just like been a three and D guy. And he was coming into this trade season, like the most coveted asset, which is kind of odd because he's just an okay player. But since the lack of three and D players, the line of read kind of boosted up his value. And I, I don't know. What do you think he can offer to the, like the Houston Rockets? Yeah, he's playing the stretch three through five player for them. <laughs> the way their uh, their roster is constructed, I think he's exactly what the Rockets envision the prime player is. Just someone that can easily be switchable into anybody, and that can hit a three. That's that's essentially it. There's a space more floor for Russell Westbrook to do his drives into the into the lane and to Harden to get just one uh, one-on-one at every given opportunity. Um, I just don't think that that fourth player – so Covington is probably going to play the five if P.J. Tucker isn't playing the five. And switching from P.J. Tucker to Robert Covington in the paint, it's not – it's a, as a basic wash at that point. Um, I just don't think that – P.J. Tucker's going to stay healthy. Maybe it was, like, uh, insurance on him. He's just a prototypical 3 and D guy. I think a lot of teams would have liked to have him, have him but I guess the Rockets made yeah. the best offer. Did you get a chance to watch the Rockets versus the Lakers? Like, a few – this is after the trade deadline. They were able to play Covington in that one. He came off the bench for them played for like 30 minutes, four for seven from three-point line, had like 14 points, had some good defensive numbers too, like two steals, two blocks. And yeah, like we were saying, they played, let me see, they played P.J. Tucker at the five, I, I presume, Derek House Jr., Westbrook, Eric Gordon, and James Harden. And Westbrook had 41 points that game and eight rebounds, five assists. He's just been having a great month overall. I, I don't know. It's, it it was it is kind of funny that they just proved that their method can actually win games because they were playing against Davis and James and were able to come away with a victory there. So we we just don't know if that can work in a seven game series, but they did like prove that <laughs> they could beat like a decent team that has size. Yeah, if, if the threes are falling, you look like a genius. But if they're not, you're you're a victim to all these old head dudes going, oh, you see, you can't win without a big man. <laughs> and the, it, it's just, it's so antithetical to how we watch basketball. And it's kind of like, honestly, it's not very entertaining to watch as well. I don't really like watching it. It's just a bunch of people sitting on the perimeter and cut, uh, one guy cutting and trying to get that one-on-one. They have one of the best one-on-one guys in the league. And he just dribbles for a bunch of time, uh, a, a long period of time before he passes it to somebody, and they shoot a three. So it's not very fun to watch, but the analytics will tell you that they're doing well, and they are doing decently well. They'll be in the playoffs, depending on who they play, which is going to be kind of important. Uh, is it's really just going to come down to who they shoot the three the best against, and. Um, the Lakers are actually pretty good at defense. Um, maybe their 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 point guard, like their point guard position, is a little weak at the defensive side. But everything in the paint with AD there and LeBron James is going to be hard. So, do you for like the Lakers, Clint Capella? For the Lakers, <laughs> Clint Capella, like uh, I don't know. Do I think he's him? a little overrated. You feel I bad for him to go overrated. from a clear contender in the West to the Atlanta Hawks, one of the worst teams in the East. I do kind of feel bad for him. He's not very old, so I don't think he's like wasting too much. Of, like, like he has time. It's not like a a uh, Iggy Iggy kind of situation with him. So I don't really feel too bad for him. But yeah, I think he can be a good fit along with Trey Young. He kind of gives him that role man. That I don't know if 
who was playing what they had Alex Len there playing at center for the Hawks. So he's probably upgrade over Alex Len and he can just be the pick and roll man. Like he served for James Harden in those prime years. But yeah, I just think it's the Rockets pivoting away from playing the pick and roll and they just fully committing to small ball now. So. Yeah. What do they have? Like five centers on that team now too. <laughs> Dwayne Deadman. Uh, Clint Capella, Len, and they they just got rid of uh, uh, Nene. I think they waived him, I believe. Well, they got, I think, did they get rid of Len? They traded Len away to get Deadman. Oh, they did? Yeah. Going on to the next trade, the Miami Heat get Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, and the, and the Grizzlies get Justice Winslow, James Johnson, Deion Waiters, and Gorgie Dang? Is that how you say his name? Gorgie? Gorgie? Gorgie. I, Gorgie. Gorgie Dang. <laughs> I think it's Gorgie Dang. Gorgie? Gorgie? Gorgeous? Gorgie, Gorgie like Dang. a Corgi. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, Gorgie Dang's a pretty good player. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was a good trade for all around. I, in my opinion, this is like there, there wasn't really a trade this this uh, this deadline that was like, oh man, they got robbed or something like that. I think everyone kind of made out uh, with exactly what they wanted out of it, and this is this included. Uh, the Heat get a veteran guy that has been there before, but is definitely on the downslope with Iggy. Um, I think Jay Crowder is like a solid piece, that a solid role player for them, the three, a true 3 and D guy. His defense is average, but he just clogs the lane and takes fouls. So. Yeah, it's it's a win-now move for Miami Heat. Like they, I think they see an opportunity. They maybe think they can take the Bucks in the playoff series. So they're trying to stock up on weapons, and they're basically just making a move to win now in the next two years. Because I don't think Iguodala is that great a player. If he can reach his heights of like basically just staying healthy and being an elite defender, because I think they basically got Iguodala to defend Giannis in the playoffs or defend Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Um, Other than that, I it's not a good trade if Iggy gets hurt. Like, and that's. Uh, likely thing because he I don't think he was healthy last year and I don't know how many minutes you're going to get out of him in the playoffs like you could maybe play him like 25 to 30 minutes at most but if you need him to guard Giannis for an entire game he's probably going to get hurt yeah his usage rate is you got to monitor very closely I think he's been on a downslope and even on the Warriors themselves like he was on a downslope on the best team in the league. So I don't really know how much he's going to add other than just veteran experience and just like bringing him in during having him healthy for the playoffs. I think that's the key through this regular season for them is just keep him healthy through the, the regular season. And then when you get to the playoffs, you can pull him out there when you really need to crunch time and some order with that team that has just a bunch of young players. Um, and then like Jimmy buckets, for example, but um, yeah, just keeping him healthy. Jay Crowder is a good uh, guy to space the floor. He's like yeah, really I, good I don't understand game. why Jay Crowder gets shipped everywhere. He's just a solid role player. Like, like I wouldn't mind if he was on Portland. Like, he would fit into Portland pretty well as a three and D guy. Um, he just gets moved everywhere. It just seems like he's on a new team almost every year. Like, I think he's been. A, he was he on Cleveland. He was on the Jazz for a while. Um, where was he at now? He was on Memphis, was he? Yeah, Memphis. He was doing really good with Memphis, too. He was like a key part of their decent season. Yeah, he's just a solid player. Hot take, is he better than Iggy Dawa at this point? <laughs> oh, I, I, I ironically do. But what Iggy can like provide off the court, which I don't, re- I, I don't really know what how to quantify that, but he has been in some pretty... Uh, Pressure-heavy games, you can say it by the Um It's just a boss move by Iguodala, too, to just come in to the Grizzlies. Get, gets traded, and he basically tells the Grizzlies, I'm not playing for you at all. And 
Um, he was starting to take some heat later on. I think he was, uh, there was some Twitter battles going on between like Dylan Brooks and him. And then like Steph Curry chimed in and then, uh, John Morant got in there too. It was just pretty interesting, but yeah, like he basically sat out the entire season or half the season and then gets paid big money by Miami. Like he got a two year extension, which is pretty ridiculous. Especially considering he has a, he was not even that healthy at the end of last year, and he hasn't played a game this season. I think he played like maybe last night, but I, I don't know. It's a pretty risky move by the Heat, but I guess they're just they are going all in on the next two seasons. I haven't looked too much into that contract, but it's got to be incentive heavy because I don't I, I I don't see the logic behind signing a guy for thirty million for two years if his two consecutive years on the best team in the league was just two downhill down down red arrow pointing down season um and then he sits out for an entire uh, for half a season with the grizzlies just because he wanted to stay healthy for the next team he went on to and then he had like a rap sheet of the the teams he wanted to go to (laughs) and the grizzlies had no choice i think the grizzlies did pretty good they got uh gorgeous dang and justice winslow who's can't say healthy but is a solid young player well i think the grizzlies got out pretty good in this trade i like the move from them a lot better than what the heat's getting because obviously they got rid of Igadao, who wasn't playing any minutes for them and uh winslow i don't know how much he's making but he's obviously not going to demand as much salary as Igadawa. and the promise that he can probably bring as a three and d player he's had some solid like moments like you said he hasn't been able to stay healthy but if he does get healthy, I think he can be a solid asset for the Grizzlies just as a versatile defender, which is what the NBA is moving to. You just got to have guys that can switch off the pick and roll and be able to guard multiple positions. And Winslow can be that guy. Like He's he's already shown that he has some playmaking jobs too. He played point guard for the Heat for a while. And yeah, I just like to move for the Grizzlies. They already have a really solid young core. And they add, add another good piece in Justice Winslow. Um, Dion Waiters, the heat check man himself, he hasn't been able to stay on the court because I, I think he's been doing too many drugs. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's um, losing a mind on that 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 sweet sweet drill. If he can uh, not do drugs, he can play for the Grizzlies and give them some solid minutes. He's a notorious heat check man. He can come in and give you some buckets. So I think he's a solid role player if he stay on the court and gorge gorgie jang gorgie jang dang (laughs) (laughs) the center from the timberwolves he's just a solid player um he's able to hit some threes now and he just provides like a solid backup for the grizzlies to play at center yeah (laughs) did you know Deion waiters is gonna get paid 12 million dollars this year and 12 million dollars next year That's so crazy. I don't remember the last time I've seen uh, Deion Waiters play basketball. When's the last that when's the last time you remember watching Deion Waiters play basketball? Uh, what did he play last season? I don't I don't remember watching him ever. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I just I know he's had some good moments. Like when he was on the Heat, he had a couple like one season where he was pretty good, like he was averaging like 20 plus points and he'd yeah. have his heat check moments where he'd take like 12 threes and stuff like that. Like he's, I think he was taken in the same draft class as Damian Lillard. Um, I think a few, a spot above him or a couple spots above him. And he just hasn't really panned out. He's always been able to score the ball, but his defensive side of the ball has never really improved. And his bad shot... Uh, bad shot decision making hasn't improved either. So, yeah, he played in 28 games last year for the Miami Heat, and he started. He played in 44, so he was sat almost half of them. So, or was benched, uh, came off the bench. Um, he's seven years in the league. He was taken in the 2012 draft. So, the people in that draft, 
with people like Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, like you said. Yeah, he's taking two spots higher than Damian Lillard. Mm, that was the same draft. Anthony Davis guard. went in. Oh, Davis went first in that draft? Yep. Yeah, it's been a while. Brown himself. Yeah, and someone that just got waived uh, today, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, second overall over Beal and Deion Waiters. <laughs> yeah, just a guy that was like super athletic, and that was back when the league was just like all about the measurables. And yeah, he just didn't pan out because he didn't have any other skills besides his athleticism. Yeah. What's your vert? <laughs> All right, let's go to the next the next trade. And probably the saddest trade, to be honest with you. Andre Drummond was traded from the Pistons to the Ca- Cleveland Cavaliers for Brandon Knight, John Hanson, Henson, and a second-round pick in 2023. Yeah, just some pennies, you know. The Cavs <laughs> just gave him some trash, and the Pistons took it just to get Drummond's pretty big contract off the books. So Yeah. I don't know what the Pistons are really doing. Like, what I think they're just going full rebuild mode at this point. So yeah, it's pretty clear that he's going full rebuild. I just at this point, where is uh, Blake Griffin gonna go? Uh, at the uh, he has a crazy big contract. I don't think that might be the most untradeable contract because it's a stupid amount of money for a player that's always hurt. He might he's like really good, but he's always hurt. Um. It's either that or the John Wall contract or the Tobias Harris contract. And Tobias Harris isn't even hurt. That's how bad his contract is. <laughs> I just, I don't know. If if they're going full rebuild, I, I can see them really, really, really trying really hard to shop uh, Blake Griffin. But I just don't think he's going to be any takers. Uh, I think the big story around this is just Andre Drummond's social media just thanking the Pistons and being so heartbroken by this. <laughs> Uh, I was so sad to read some of the stuff he said on uh, on social media about him loving the city. He feels heartbroken. I think he said something to the effect of, uh, I, now I know th- why this is a ruthless business and I'll never trust anybody ever again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what you think of Drummond. He's basically like Hassan Whiteside. He's just, the league has just passed him by extremely fast like they just don't need big guys that can't really do much other than rebound like he's just one of those classic guys he gets good stats but it doesn't lead to winning yeah he's a case study in why modern basketball works because every night he's scratch he's 13 rebounds a game and it really doesn't Uh, mean anything his stats are pretty incredible though yeah 20 Uh, and 13 almost every game and it just doesn't matter 18 points per game, almost 60 rebounds per game, three assists per game, and a per of uh, 22.25, which is like 21st. So he's like a top 30 player. And it just, yeah, he just got shipped out for pennies and really just shows the devalued what the center position has become. Unless you're like a godsend like Nikola Jokic or... Joel Embiid, but even Embiid at this point, as some people doubting his value, just the way uh, Philly's been uh, playing without him, they kind of played better without him with Ben Simmons. Just they spaced the floor around Simmons, and it kind of opened up the Philly offense, and they actually played a lot better. But now Embiid's back. But It seems like what Drummond is really, really good at is not important to the league at all, at all, because Rudy Gobert is in the in the league, and I think he's kind of the most successful prototypical center, where every other center just like Jokic, AD, um, and like Porzingis and stuff like that. They all can hit the three and space the floor, and that's kind of just what they do. Kawhi Towns, they can space the floor, where Rudy Gobert doesn't really shoot that well. He's not very good on the offensive side. He kind of seems lost a lot of the times. But he plays really, really good defense, and he's good in the pick and roll. Uh, it just seems like what Drummond is good at, no one really cares about. I think that he, he could probably make it work with a good team, 
Like, I do think he's still good at pick and roll and has a few moves in the paint that can make him a little dangerous, but it's just how you use him. It's just how you use him. And he's been on probably the worst team of the, uh, one of the worst teams of the decade uh, for his entire career. So it's just kind of sad to see. And um, him going to Cleveland, another notoriously bad team, but without LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. Drum just makes too much money for what he brings to the floor. Uh, it is kind of sad to see because I think he is an okay player. He, but he just can't make that money. <laughs> he can't make that much money and you can't be a winning team. If that guy's making top three money on your team. So, yeah. And what do those conversations look like where you're trying to talk Drummond off the edge where his agent or him himself is just saying, yeah, I'm a three time rebound champion. Uh, two-time All-Star. I put up 16 and in, in tw- 20 every every freaking game. Like, how are you not going to give me top of the line money? And you're just going to say, I, I don't know, man. I can't really argue that. I mean, it's right. You don't you take just be like, bro. You can't hit a free throw. That's why we're trading <laughs> you for pennies. Exactly. Because you can't be on uh, the floor when because we're just going to go hack a shack and you can't hit a free throw. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a sad trade. It's honestly like I don't want, really want to talk about it much more because it's just kind of sad. Yep. <laughs> Let's talk about more, more uplifting news of the next and final trade, the big kahuna, the one I wanted to talk about, the one that I forgot about all the other trades. Andrew Wiggins, essentially straight up for D'Angelo Russell. I I guess the Warriors did get a 2021 top three protected first round pick and a 2021 second round pick but as it pertains to basketball this season D'Angelo Russell for Wiggins and there's a lot of controversy around this two high profile names in the NBA getting traded probably the blockbuster trade of this deadline which uh, was um, I guess predictably going to be a little bit lackluster with the offseason that we had, the crazy, crazy offseason we had with all the trades and moving, moving pieces? Yeah, I mean, the Warriors just made a really smart move. They've had good, like, upper-level management for the past few years now, which obviously led, us, led to a few titles. And like you mentioned earlier in our conversation, they basically went out and got Russell, even though they knew he wasn't really going to fit into their system with Clay and Steph already at the guard spots. So they just, they knew Russell had a lot of suitors and they got him, and basically just traded him out and got a lot of good assets in return. Whatever you think about Wiggins, they, they got a first round pick 2021 uh, pick and a second round pick. And I think that that's not the high school draft, is it? But it's, probably a better draft class than 2020 and yeah Wiggins is just a much better fit for their team yeah off ball stuff he's like not super good at but he'll learn that stuff with Russell the reason why he's a bad fit is because he has such a high usage rate and with Steph and Clay come back he has nowhere to be he has nowhere to fit in uh Wiggins can play off ball he does it when he was on the the Wolves, and they were basically looking for a point guard and a playmaker this entire time. And Wiggins, when he did bring it up, wasn't didn't have the greatest of stats. Even when everybody's going to say, oh, Wiggins is a bad player. If everyone's going to sit here and say, Wiggins is a bad player, he puts up 22 points, five rebounds, and three assists as a bad player on a really, really bad team. Now he's in a good situation with good pieces around him. He's going to get spacing to shoot and like do his thing, not just having to hone down on Carl Anthony Towns and him. And then once you negate those two, you just negate those two guys' his points, like you're going to lose. Like he's just been on a really bad team his entire career. I just don't understand how this is a quote unquote bad trade or Wiggins is a bad player. I think the Golden State Warriors upper management is still playing 4D chess and everybody's just playing checkers out here. Uh, they stole Russell for basically Wiggins in, in a first-round pick. That's what they did. 
a lot of people are just criticizing Wiggins because he he's making big time money like uh, Drummond, and he's probably not worth all that money. But the way he fits into the Warriors system is just uh, extremely well. Like being the third guy, maybe even the fourth guy, depending on uh, how good Draymond Green is next year. Um, it's it's like a solid option. It's he's basically falls between Kevin Durant and Harrison Barnes, and I think he'll if he finds a nice middle. I think this is a win for the Warriors because he's still a young player. He's six seven, uh, twenty four years old, and he was taken with the first round pick for a reason because he's extremely athletic and he showed defensive promise and he's always shown flashes in these past few years and maybe even stretches of games where he could be the most dominant player on the floor. Um, I think he brings a nice skill set overall. He's improved his playmaking this year. Um, he's worked on his defense. He's uh, worked on his decision-making as well. He's instead of taking inefficient mid-range shots, he's stepped one foot to the three-point line. He's taking three-pointers now and he's just driving to the bucket and uh, yeah, every year he's been improving and he's only been trashed because he was a number one overall pick and he had very high expectations set of him. And Carl Anthony Towns just kind of got sick of him, which for every reason, Carl Anthony Towns has been a good player, but he's also been trash on defense this year. So that could also play into a part was why the Wolves are losing so many games. But I do like Wiggins as a player. I hope his... Uh, career pans out and he provides a good player for the Warriors because I don't know I've always liked him coming out of Kansas and he's just extremely fun to watch when he has his moments where he takes over the game he had the nickname Maple Jordan coming out of high school and I just think that's a really cool nickname too yeah that might be the antithesis of why he's like looked at the way he is it's just so much hype first overall pick got traded for Kevin Love blah, 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 all these expectations. And he's just kind of uh, uh, middle to a little bit above average basketball player. And I mean, and he's not bad by any means. I just, I don't understand these arguments where he's a bad player. You have to make these concessions. Like you said, he's a little overpaid, 100%. And he did not meet expectations. He's still a 22, five rebounds and, and three assists guy on a bad team. Like, and when Steph and Clay come back, he's not going to get the best defender put on him. He's not going to get the best wing defender put on him. So he's going to get space and a, a worse defender put on him. So I don't see how his efficiency doesn't go up after that. I don't know. It just seems like a win-win, and they get a and a, a first-round pick. I just think Golden State Warriors are still head and shoulders above everybody else as far as management goes. And I don't it with if Steph and Clay come back healthy, which is a big if because of their injury history. Um, I, I don't I don't see how they can't be contenders right off the bat next season. Yeah, especially if Steph and Clay are healthy. Having Wiggins as your third option is pretty solid because he can score off cuts and he can hit the open three. So you want to move on to talk about Russell, who's been just kind of shipped around these past few years. And I don't really understand why. Ever since he left the Lakers and went to the Nets. Um, he said, I think he played there for two seasons, but his last season with the Nets was like really solid. And he showed like that promise that a lot of people drafted him for, or the Lakers drafted him for when they picked him number two at Ohio state, like as a solid playmaker and scorer and basically got traded for Kyrie Irving and um, made space for Durant. But I actually think, Russell might have been a better fit for the Nets than Kyrie Irving. You've obviously seen Irving ca causing tension within the Nets organization on the whole with all his crazy takes and thinking that, <laughs> I don't know, he's just, he's got flat he's a wild earth. boy. Yeah, <laughs> flat earth mentality and all those other things going on with him. But I, I just like Russell as a player. And it is a great trade for the Wolves on their end because he, Russell's a better playmaker and shooter from three than Wiggins and Russell and Towns have a really good rapport already and they've been wanting to play together. I think they also been trying to recruit Devin Booker to their team. 
So we'll see uh, if that ever happens. <laughs> yeah, there's a few players that probably aren't going to get traded like that. I don't know with the new uh, player movement era, but I don't see Devin Booker, who's like, he's like a franchise guy. I also thought of this about Russell Westbrook, but it seemed like they were blowing stuff up. I don't think the the, the Suns look like they're going to blow stuff up. But uh, to Russell's point, like, if they hit, Carl Anthony Towns, Russell pick and rolls. I that might be one of the toughest, the toughest things to guard in the league if they really do that because Russell is very good off the pick and roll. It's fun to watch him work off the pick and roll. He's like, that's I think that's the thing he's best at. Um, and just just imagining that happening is pretty crazy. They could do high pick and rolls, and then just both of them can have the ability to hit a three deep. It's it'll be a fun thing to see. And with the addition of Malik Beasley and uh, who is uh, Juan Herman Gomez, uh, I think it'll be a fun team to watch finally, and not just Conathan Towns looking absolutely miserable out there all the time. And they're friends. I know. I hope this pans out for the Wolves. They've been much maligned in the past past few years. They did make the playoffs when they brought in Jimmy Butler. But uh, yeah, every, everything has just been imploding around Carl Anthony Towns. And I don't know if Towns like nudged the GM and he's like, hey, can you get Wiggins out of here? I don't really like that guy. But uh, well, <laughs> we'll see how it shakes out with Russell. They brought in Malik Beasley, like, like we uh, mentioned earlier, and he's just another guy that can space the floor. I think what the Wolves really need is Carl Anthony Towns to step up on step up on the defensive end because, like coming out of college, that's what um, he was regarded as as a, a great two way prospect. He could bring it on the offensive and defensive end, and he hasn't really shown that in the past few uh, years. He's just been kind of declining on the defensive end, just effort wise. Um, maybe this will jumpstart him and. Maybe he'll want to put up more effort now with his buddy Russell there. But I just think for the Wolves to ever make that leap into an actual playoff contender, it really rests on their franchise player, Carl Anthony Towns, taking that next step and actually becoming a consistent high-level defender. Yeah, if I'm putting my consciousness into an NBA player, if you're losing, I think a lot of defense is just effort. I think you have to put a lot of effort into defense. Um, if you have the physical gifts that Carl Anthony Towns is, he just has to put effort in, and he'll he'll be a good defender. And when your team is just losing and you're just miserable out there, it I, I just don't think he's he wants to put in the effort for that. So if they start winning games and they're in like a lot of these games, not getting blown out every every other game, like I think he'll play a good, better defense. I mean, he's already showed it like his rookie year. He showed that he could play pretty good defense. And in his college career, he could play pretty good defense. I don't think he's going to be ever elite, like a Giannis, Embiid, uh, AD type of uh, defender, but he can get uh, 80% there or even 90% there if he really wanted to. Yeah, I don't got too many more takes on it. Um, I look forward to the rest of the season. This move for uh, the Timberwolves and Golden State is more of a future move. Like, it's not going to affect anything this season. So, to truly, like, evaluate this trade, we're going to have to, like, look at next year and see how Wiggins is fitting in and how Russell and Carl Anthony Towns actually... They We can kind of evaluate that trade, but they're obviously not going to make the playoffs this year. So, they might look to add another guy in the offseason. Yeah, let's just hope Carl Anthony Towns doesn't take the same career path as KG. <laughs> All right. On to the next part. Let them eat. He's heating up. He's got smoke coming off his fingertips. Are you kidding me? He's as hot as a blowtorch. It's a heat check. You knew that was coming. It's heat check time. Who are we going to give the stake to this week? The first entry, of course, our Northwest Bias. Damian Lillard with the last 10 games, 41 points, 6.7 threes per game, seven assists, and shooting 42 from the field and from three. And he led our hampered Blazers to a 7-3 and record over that span. 
I think it's a crazy stat line if you read it in any era of basketball. Uh, the next entry are the Raptors with the 15-game win streak with Ka- without Kawhi Leonard. I think it's a great story. I think they're actually a real force in the East. If if Pascal Siakam keeps up his crazy stat lines he's putting up every every game and being as consistent, and I think they really can be a contender. I think they're in a tier below Philly and. Uh, the Bucks. Bucks are in their own stratosphere, obviously, but um, they're definitely in there with like Boston, Miami, and and those teams in the East. I think it's just those teams. I think that that would be a tier for them. Um, our next entry is the practice squad NFL players that finally get to get paid in the XFL. So how, how much uh, are they making in the XFL? Do you know? I really, I don't, but it's probably more than the practice squad in the NFL. <laughs> they put out, they can finally be on TV and start under the lights. So maybe, maybe not Travis Homer can pockets. go to the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Marshawn Lynch. Please, pretty please. <laughs> oh, Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch as a, as a, as a commentator in like the, the Booger McFarlane go-kart. Oh, just talks about Skittles. Yeah. Now uh, that, there, there you go. That's a that's a sponsorship and a good idea. So who uh, are you giving the stick to this week, my man? Well, I felt like we didn't really dive too deep into this. <laughs> I like the Raptors, what they've been doing. I haven't been following them too closely, but obviously with losing Kawhi Leonard, uh, a lot of people just wrote him off and probably said they're going to be like a uh, mid mid-level team to like competing for that six through eight spot in the east but they've kind of shrugged those notions off and just been playing really solid team ball um, i was watching some videos earlier on uh, uh terrence davis that they picked up as an undrafted rookie he's been providing really good minutes for them and it was just another really good signing by uh, masai ujiri and he's just been making moves and making that team like great overall. And obviously Pascal Siakam has made incredible strides as a player. Once again, he's, he was most improved player last year. Um, he could win that award again, if the league wanted to give it to him. Um, but he's obviously taken another step. Uh, being a homer though, I'll probably give it to Damian Lillard again. <laughs> he's just been sensational. Uh, every highlight I see, it's just contested threes and step back threes and threes off screens. It doesn't matter. It's just it's going in if Dame's taking the shot. And he's been incredible uh, splitting the double team, um, taking shots off the dribble. It's just I haven't seen this level of play from Dame in so many years. Like I don't. It's it's just crazy to see because. And his rookie to his like sophomore year, he was never driving to the lane and able to split the double and make reads like he is now. Um, it's just incredible strides, to say the least. So I'll give it to Dame. He should get the stake. He'll probably get the stake for the next few weeks as long as he's got flames shooting out of his ass because it's just been crazy. Yeah, I don't see... I don't see anyone else here getting it over Dame. I'm going to be a homer as well. I just don't like whether he's hitting a three at beyond the arc or he's driving to the lane and also getting three with an and one. Um, he's just on another stratosphere. Um, I don't enjoy watching this player, but he is putting up hardened level numbers. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's just so much fun to watch because it seems like he really cares. and. A lot of players would probably give up on the season if they had the bad luck that we had. And it's cool to see that he just cares and is trying to put up a competitive game every every time. Even though when he drives to the lane against like Rudy Gobert and uh, Ingles and AD and stuff like that, I always think he's going to get injured because how small he he looks. And man, he just pulls forty point forty point games out of thin air 
with the branding of threes. It's it's just so much fun to watch. High screens. We're gonna jump right into the last call. And we're gonna be talking Oscars. Do you care about them? Do you not care about them? Why? Let's hear your, your opinion first, Trey. I don't got like strong feels particularly about the Oscars because it's just one of those things that happens every year and it's just kind of like the snooty people like get to decide what the best movies are and most of the years it seems like they're out of touch with what the general public perceives as the best movie. Um, A lot of people, uh, I just remember a few years ago that Get Out was a candidate for best picture and it was like snubbed over I think it was something Green in the book water. Or something? It was oh, the, Shape of Water. That's right. The Shape that's of right. Water, which yeah. is a very like artsy fartsy movie, but Get Out was probably like one of the best movies that I've seen in the last few years, just because it was completely original and it was like uh, director Tibet, and that was pretty impressive. Uh, so it's one of those things that like you just kind of look at the Oscars, you're like, oh, maybe that won Best Picture. I should probably go see that. Who won the actor Oscar this year? Oh, interesting. Like, And it, it just kind of brings to the table some movies that uh, maybe I haven't seen before and then I might want to check out now because it won an Oscar. It's just like gives it some prestige. Um, it's good that Brad Pitt won an Oscar. I think is that his first Oscar he's ever won? So, I believe so, yeah. So that's big news for Brad Pitt. That was a that was probably one of my favorite movies this year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he was really great in that. Uh, I also thought DiCaprio was outstanding as well. So DiCaprio kind of got snubbed again, but he already won his Oscar uh, for The Revenant. So yeah, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was probably the funniest movie I watched last year. Not just like a good movie but i think it was like the funniest movie i saw last year um i think like like you said a, a lot of the oscars for me personally is just like oh i should probably watch that oh i should probably watch that and it's just a like average like a big big fat commercial and uh there's just a lot of like narratives it's just kind of fun to like see an event i don't really know why we hold these award shows such high regard but I'm kind of glad we do because it's just kind of a thing to watch. Did you um, watch it? I watched uh, the highlights, essentially. I didn't watch it live. I think I read late at home, so I couldn't really watch it. But I just watched the highlights. And it's cool to watch the highlights. It's just all the, the great hits. I don't think we have to sit through best short film, like whatever. Um, I guess the, the musical performances is something to to look out for too that's pretty fun to watch i guess the in memoriam with uh i don't i don't know if kobe bryant was in it but i i'm, I'm assuming he was um those were pretty those should be like pretty fun to watch and all the crazy actual crazy people like joaquin phoenix giving crazy speeches it just seems like everything is a every single thing is has the potential to become a viral hit in the oscars did you watch how many crazy uh, people i I don't know what what do you think of uh joaquin phoenix winning it over to caprio for the joker i think it's all right i'm personally not like a huge i think the joker is crazy overrated i think it's okay it was pretty good it was like exactly what i thought it was going into that movie it's just going to be like a really sad character driven plot i mean he was like really good in it like for sure he was but i don't know i thought dicaprio was pretty good i i don't really care whoever won but it just seems like the joker had so much like a cult almost like a cultish following behind it and that's why it kind of took it over dicaprio which was like kind of like a classically funny and just like a, a satire on being an actor in general well, what's impressive about DiCaprio is he plays like almost four different roles in like one movie. And like he plays like a cowboy and he plays a younger version of himself and then a more like dis- distressed um someone being shipped out of the business version of himself. So he he plays like so many different roles and Walking Phoenix like 
incredible performance. Um, but the movie on a whole is just very dark and depressing. And it's probably something I don't really want to see again because it's just like a downer, <laughs> honestly. Like Once Upon a Time is probably uh, instant rewatchable. And I'll probably watch it a few more times as I do with most Tarantino movies. Um, I haven't really seen any of these other movies, but like Antonio Banderas and Pain and Glory and the marriage story for Adam Driver. So maybe it's a reason to go watch those when I see those guys nominated for a leading actor. Yeah. So I've seen three of them. I think I've, uh, I've not seen it. Antonio Banderas uh, role, but I'm assuming it's pretty good. I've seen marriage story, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood and Joker. And I remember very vividly the Leonardo DiCaprio scenes. They're just like really funny. And then uh, this is might be spoilers for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So if you want to close your ears, you can. Uh, but his scene with that little girl when he's like crying was like just good acting. And every every scene with that little girl in it, even when they were acting, acting in the movie, like every scene with that girl was like pretty gold. Mm-hmm. And uh, those that's like, the performances I'm going to remember from this year is Leonardo's, so I would definitely give it to Leonardo. I think Joker's was just kind of, wow, that's really sad, that's really depressing. I just remember the tone of the movie, not necessarily any specific scene, if that makes sense. There's more memorable moments in the DiCaprio film, I believe. Have you seen uh, Jojo Rabbit? I see that's popping up on here a lot. I kind of want to go see it, actually. Yeah, it's a really fun, funny movie. Uh, the only other movie that uh, I'm glad won an Oscar is Toy Story 4. So another thing about Jojo Rabbit is this was pretty funny that um, the director because uh, it, it's a sat- satire on uh, the Nazis and everything and the director is actually Jewish and so he was the one he didn't do any um research or anything into into going in and playing um Adolf Hitler and they asked him you know you're Jewish why are you doing this and he was like what better way to say fuck you to somebody than um you know being the one being played as the one thing that you hated the most so that was pretty interesting yeah, it definitely came out in like the the movie itself. I don't, it's not like too much to spoil it, but like he definitely doesn't like act. He he's just like a caricature of uh, Adolf Hitler. He's like not trying to be realistic at all. I mean, it's a pretty funny movie, but uh, they could have went like the real realistic approach to it, and it would still be pretty funny with the lines that uh, Adolf was given. But they just kept it real fucking goofy in that movie. Anyways. Before I was interrupted, Toy Story 4. I'm so glad <laughs> it won an Oscar because I love that movie. Uh, did you get a chance to see that one? <laughs> yeah, it was. Damn, dang, there was a lot of really funny movies like that weren't like listed as a quote-unquote comedy this year. That I didn't even I didn't remember that came out. That was like early in the year then. Um, anyway, yeah, that was like the funniest Toy Story movie. It's probably the funniest Pixar film I've seen. It's just great. Yeah, it was actually kind of like a horror movie in some parts with the uh, the dolls like running after him and stuff. And when he's yeah. in the, the at- antique store, like it's actually kind of yeah, scary Winston. in some moments. Yeah, no, they're they're Bensons. Bensons, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Benson. Yeah, it, 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 the movie was really good i think uh uh i wouldn't say it's better than it's probably better than the second one right i actually haven't seen the second one in like a few years i need to go rewatch it yeah seen the first one and third one a lot ranking those would be fucking tough um but uh just got a quick shout out to parasite that was a really good movie also decently funny parts in that but mostly pretty much a suspense thriller. Um, just a, a great movie and represent for Asian fucking people around the world, baby. Just got a quick shout out for the, my man. I know you haven't seen it. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, just from other 
podcast been listening to, a lot of people thought 1917 was going to sweep a lot of awards. So it's kind of good to see that it didn't like take like all the categories because I think it was a favorite for best picture. Um, that's pretty cool that Parasite uh, won the award for best picture. Yeah, and they were actually the first international uh, film to win that in the whole entirety of uh, the Oscars. Yeah, it's cool to see because it's like a it's a really good movie. Um, oh boy, you can get real political with it, but I'm not gonna do that here. But yeah, it was a really good movie. It was really funny at parts. It's really suspenseful at parts. It's just really got everything. It's like a low key heist movie at, at at certain points it's really got everything all right i don't got too many more takes on the oscars uh just a lot more movies that i gotta add to the list and hopefully show up on netflix or amazon prime so i can actually watch them yeah if they're not on the front page of netflix i'm not watching it but hell no but that marriage story was one of the first oscar movies i watched just because it was just readily available was it good all right yeah, it was really good. It was really, really good. It was definitely like just two actors, Josh Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, the entire movie. And it was great. It was great. It was really lovely. It was really sad. It was great. All right. I don't have any more takes after that. And thank you for joining us for the Hollow Lane podcast. Foul to give for Houston. Nine tenths left. A three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Lillard does. Good. And the Blazers win the series.